It might seem morbid for some to, on the day we celebrate the birth of someone, to also talk about their death. That might sound pretty morbid. So here we're thinking about a baby, and we're talking about his, his murder. But the truth is that this is precisely at the heart of Christmas, is understanding not just that God came as a man, but why God came as a man. And so, man, I just, I'm so excited to open God's word, to talk about why our God came, to remind us that God could work in the craziness, and he's done, he does so to bring himself glory and to pull us to himself. Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm really happy to be with you all. Thank you, worship team, brothers, for, for, for uh, serving today, man, as you have our AV team here on Christmas Eve, our welcome team. Man, we're just so grateful for your ministry um, we know there's a lot, of, a lot of places you can be. We know there's a lot of things going on in many lives. But whenever we set our eyes to look on Jesus, as we've said often, you are at the right place at the right time. Whenever our eyes are set upon him, that's the right place to be as we're walking, worshiping, driving, whatever it is. When our eyes are on Christ, that's the right place. You ever been at the right place at the right time and in other times of life? I read recently of a man from Indiana who was playing a board game in 1999, and it was an art-themed board game. And as he was playing this board game, he saw a a piece of art in the game itself on the the board game, and he thought, man, that, that art piece looks really familiar to me, quite familiar. In fact, so familiar, he recognized it to be the same art piece that was in his house covering a hole in his wall. He began to researched the art piece to find out he had an original art piece and auctioned it off to a museum for a million dollars. That board game was his right place at the right time. You ever been at the right place at the right time when something bad happened and you're like, man, that was a good save. Maybe you're like the woman who in 2003 was on an airplane when she had a heart attack and the flight attendant came to her assistance and said, is there anyone, a doctor on the plane And 15 people who were cardiologists stood up to tend to the lady. The right place at the right time. On Christmas morning, or on Christmas day, when we celebrate Jesus' birth, we celebrate Jesus born in Bethlehem, which was actually the right place and was at the right time. Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. The book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth to me one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from of old and from ancient days. You know, at Christmas, Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. That was the right place. But if you ever think about it, When the angel Gabriel came to visit Mary, he visited her where? In Nazareth. Mary was from Nazareth, as was her husband-to-be, Joseph. And God saw it fit to come to this young teenage girl named Mary. He has saw her to be right in his eyes, and, and God said to her, Mary, from you will come. One who become the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In your womb will come a baby and you will be with child from the Holy Spirit. It will be a miracle. 
And Mary is hearing these words, realizing that God himself is telling her that from her will come the Messiah, the one who would deliver all God's people from their sins. Amazing. And Mary, in her youthful maturity, says, let it be as you say. But God's got to find a way to get Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Everything hinges on his birth being there because if he's born anywhere else, he cannot be the fulfillment of Micah chapter 5, verse 2. So what God does to fulfill his promises is he begins to move on earth. And the way God moves on earth is to bring about some craziness. How many of you guys know that God can move in the craziness? In our passage today, we're going to see how God moves on earth. He moves people. He moves kingdoms in order to keep his promises. Find me in the book of Luke chapter 2. Meet me there. And church, like we do every time we read God's word from this pulpit before we preach, I want to invite you to stand with me. We stand as a way to just honor God's word. If you're able to, if you're physically not able to, of course, we We recognize that. But if you can, would you stand with me here or at home or wherever you're live streaming? And this is what God's word says in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called what? Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place. Can you say no place? place. There was no place for them in the inn. You may be seated, church. Here in our passage today, we see God moving peoples to fulfill his promise. With a lot of detail, the, the writer, his name is Luke, tells us, that in those days, that's the days when, when, when the angel visited Elizabeth and then Mary and then John the Baptist was born. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. He is the first Roman emperor. And, and his decree went out saying that all the world should be registered. And that this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Basically, he's calling for a census. We are wrapping up, we just wrapped up a census here in our country, and the census has multiple purposes. For one, it tells, in ancient days especially, but even today, it tells the nation who is of age to serve in the military, for those, milita- those countries that have mandatory military service. But something more important that a census does, beyond learning demographics and studies, is it tells the nation who can be taxed. It's like, we need to know who lives here in order to get your money, right? And in the Roman Empire, the Jewish peoples were exempt from military service in the Roman military. So this census here in Israel had one purpose. That was to exact the proper taxes from the people of God. 
And so what the Roman emperor did was cause this census to take place, which created a bit of chaos there in Israel. The people of Israel saw this actually as the, the, the nation oppressing its people. They, of course, would exact taxes and be abusive in their way of doing it. There was a kind of systemic injustice in the way the taxes were taken from God's people. Just so we know, church, systemic injustice is not a new thing. It is a thing. It has always been a thing. And it was a thing here in Luke 2. But it was a thing that God would do to move people around. He would take what was meant for wrong and use it to accomplish his purposes. God is moving peoples in order to keep his promises. And through this, the people would then go to the place of their ancestry to register. And we're told that Joseph, in verse 4, went up from Galilee, that's in the northern part of Israel, and he had to go from Nazareth and make that 70-something mile trek to Bethlehem. Because that's where his lineage was from. Now, the beautiful thing is we see in this that God is, again, moving to fulfill his promises. You see, when God came to Mary, she was betrothed to Joseph. And Joseph was a man from David's line. And God had told David that from your family would come the Messiah. God is fulfilling promises. And now Joseph was supposed to go to Bethlehem. Now, as I read different Scholars, some wonder whether or not Mary was required to go with him. We're not told Mary's lineage. Many have wondered if she is from the line of Judah as well. But we're not told, but we are told that she went with Joseph. Now, I got to imagine this is pretty inconvenient for Mary. By this point, she's some eight months, maybe nine months pregnant. She's about to go on foot 80 miles through some rugged terrain. That doesn't sound like fun. She's about to go upon a donkey to travel to a place that's not her home with a man who is there ready to marry her with the son of God in her womb. And yet she goes with him. Maybe she went in order to leave behind the sneers in Nazareth. We don't know the kind of mockery and insults Mary took on. But, you know, as I was studying, I I wondered. We're not told, but I wondered. Mary knew that in her room was the Messiah. Gabriel told her that in Luke chapter 1. I wonder if Mary, being the, the woman of God, being the person who knew the word like she did, knew that Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. And I just wonder if Mary knew that she had to go to Bethlehem in order for Messiah to be born there. Whatever the case is, we know that God is making some moves here, even though it appeared to be chaotic. God was causing them to become at the right place at the right time. Had Mary and Joseph stopped 35 miles short of Bethlehem, Jesus would have been born in Shechem. And the promise would not have come through from Micah 5. If they had stopped 10 miles earlier, he'd have been Jesus of Nazareth born in Ramah. And he could not have been the Messiah. If they had stopped five miles sooner, he had been Jesus of Nazareth, born in Jerusalem, and he could not be the fulfillment of Micah 5. But they made this 70-plus mile trek, and he was Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, the fulfillment of Micah 5-2, born in the city of David. Church, our God makes moves 
to fulfill his promises. And sometimes when making these moves, things don't feel comfortable for us. But we can take comfort in knowing that our God is at work, even in those times. Jesus was born at the right place. But we also see he was born at the right place at the right time. You see, we're told here in verse 5, while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came, the time came, what came? The time came for her to give birth. It was the right time. You see, in Galatians chapter 4, we are told that Paul writes this about the time when Jesus came. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters and we might cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus had to be born at the right place, but he also had to be born at the right time. And we're told when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. Now, we don't know what constituted the right time for God. But we know something about God. He's never late. He ain't ever early. But he's always on time. And in his providence, this was the right time. You know, as we study the Bible, man, it's crazy because there in the Roman Empire, the Greek language was, was everywhere from the previous conquest of the Greeks. And what it did actually provided fertile ground for the transmission of the gospel to go forth to lands throughout the empire. Had Jesus come when that wasn't the case, how much more difficult would that have been? Not only that, when the Romans came, they came and put down the law, but what they also did was build roads, the Roman roads. Roads that extended from one end of the empire to the other end. The perfect kind of road for a missionary to come with the gospel on his lips. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. Jesus came at the right place and at the right time. And part of that right time and the right place was also the place and time of struggle. Because she gives birth in verse 7. To her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Jesus' coming came at a time where Mary and Joseph were displaced. They weren't home. They were in Bethlehem. And as others were coming into Bethlehem, no doubt the census caused droves of people to return to the city where King David had been born, Bethlehem. And while there, getting a place to stay wasn't easy. And it says there was no room for them in the inn. Now this word inn actually could be better translated in the guest room. It was a space where the people would typically gather, especially when people came from out of town. Now in the the ancient uh, uh, Middle Eastern culture, and as it is today, they were high in hospitality. But the problem was there were just too many people present. And there Mary and Joseph were with, their, with this, this woman getting ready to give birth, and there wasn't a guest room available for them. We're told that once Jesus was born, they placed him in a manger, which tells us that she gave birth to him in a space where animals and cattle were at. Maybe it was a room off to the house. Maybe it was a stable. Or maybe it was a cave. But this much we know, it wasn't where people give birth, typically. There he is, 
God in human flesh. At the right place, at the right time, lowly, humble, impoverished. But there God is doing his thing. He didn't come of royalty. He didn't come from wealth. He didn't come from power. He came from poverty and humility to redeem people who were lost. God came at the right place and at the right time as a man. And inconvenient as it must have been, but he was in control. I mean, imagine Mary getting ready to give birth and told about a census. Really, God? I got to go 80 miles? Imagine one arriving to where they're going and there's no room for them. Really, God? We just traveled 80 miles? Imagine when she's there, a newborn baby, where to lay him in a manger where animals graze. Really, God? But sometimes we don't understand what God is doing, but we can know that God is in control. Because God could work in the craziness of life. You see, your unknowns are actually known to God. The unknowns of 2020 that hit us like we didn't know were known to God in 2019. The unknowns of 2021 are known to God today. The unknowns you go through are known to God. Because God is always working at the right place and at the right time. He's testing our faith. He's fulfilling his promises. He's shaping events. He's answering prayers. He's bringing about his loving hand of discipline. He's working in ways that he understands even when we don't understand it. He did it in Bethlehem in the first century. and He does it in Chicago today. Our God moved people to keep his promises. Our God left heaven to move earth. And our God did much more than that when he came to this earth. Now, I find it beautiful here. This description we're given of Mary. It says in verse 7, she gave birth to her firstborn son. That's an interesting description, her firstborn son. Well, she is the virgin Mary, after all. There wouldn't be a secondborn son. Why, Why the redundancy? Well, with there being a firstborn, there is a preeminence about that child. But the image here just drips with great power because she's not just the firstborn, he's not just the firstborn son of Mary, he's also the one and only son of God. He is the preeminent God of eternity. He is the God who never started. He is the God who always was. He is the firstborn of all because he's the first that precedes everything. No beginning and no ending. It's like Luke is just sowing some seeds that the rest of his gospel is going to begin to grow out. Because Jesus came ultimately with a purpose, didn't he? He didn't just come to fulfill a promise of when he'd be born, but also to fulfill the promise to save people. You see, sin has separated us from God. Church, we hear this every week, but we got to understand that it was our sin that called God to move to come to this earth. There was no other way for God to save you except by becoming a baby. There's no other way for God to take on humanity's sin apart from God becoming humanity. There's no other way for God to forgive humanity's sin but for him to continue to be God while taking on humanity. And so this Jesus, the firstborn of Mary, the one and only Son of God, had to come here. He came to live without sin, 
constantly being challenged by the very people he created. And we know that he had to go and live a life that's rejected. The firstborn son of Mary lived a sinless life, but would be betrayed and crucified. And then he would be placed in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, a borrowed tomb that did not begin, belong to him. And he would raise from the dead three days later. You see, he's not only the firstborn from Mary's womb, but we're told in Scripture he's also the firstborn from the tomb, church. You see, Paul says this of this Jesus. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Or as Paul says in Acts, talked about how the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he will proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. You see, we sing about Jesus' death at Christmas just as we sing about his coming at Christmas. It's because they're all a package deal, church. He who was the firstborn from Mary's womb was also the firstborn from Joseph's tomb. He was the one who had to come up from the dead in order for us to one day come up from the dead. Christmas is about God's coming, but it's also about his coming in order to save people from their sins and conquer the grave. Church, our God came to defeat death, to save us. And as we see him moving that first Christmas, fulfilling his promises, as we see him leaving heaven in order to move earth, we also see there in the manger the one who would defeat death to move our sins from us to Jesus. And there was no place for this Jesus in the guest room. That image drips, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, celebrating Christmas doesn't matter unless we receive him for ourselves. There, there's a kind of making of room that we have to do in humbling ourselves before our God. And the question for us every year, every day, is there room for Jesus in our lives? Are we ourselves submitting to him, the one who came to die for us? You see, Jesus didn't come to give us a holiday but a holy day, life change for eternity. Jesus didn't come to transform your living room with Christmas trees and presents, but you're living when you make room for him. Jesus didn't come to put a song on the radio, but put a new song of praise on our lips. That Christmas is about more than what we often see. It's about what Jesus came to do for us. And so Jesus came at the right place at the right time. Born in Bethlehem at the fullness of time to be the firstborn of Mary, to become the firstborn ultimately from the dead. Man, this Christmas, I pray that we would go home even tonight or maybe you're watching from home tonight and that you would be really filled with worship. That like the angel said, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Highest praise to him. Because he's the deserving of all worship, church. Christmas is about Jesus. 
Our God moves people to keep his promises, and he's moving in you to do that very thing. Our God left heaven to move earth to come to die for us and save us from our sins. And you're at the right place at the right time right now. I know that much. My prayer is that we go out today with worship on our lips, and tomorrow we will celebrate that Jesus Christ has come. So church, we've got one other thing to do with that. We got to go and tell that thing everywhere we go. On our block, on social media, in your living room. And we got to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this night. Thank you for the opportunity to realign our hearts. To see the miracle of the incarnation of God becoming man. You, oh God, taking on flesh to die for us, to live for us, to raise for us. Oh Lord, let our hearts be truly sold out for you. May your praise be on our lips, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's go tell it. Let's go tell it, let's sing it, and believe it with all our heart. Let's rise to our feet and shout it out. Go out this week, God, I pray, Lord, uh, that we would go in celebration of the coming of your Son. God, I pray that you would remind us and show us different aspects of this Christmas story, Lord, that would penetrate our hearts and deepen our devotion and excite our faith, oh, Lord. God, I pray that our heart's cry would be that people everywhere would know that you had come to redeem us, Lord. Oh, God, we love you, God. We, we are so thankful for Christmas. We're so thankful, God. We love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Yeah, we give God a hand clap. I want to give you this blessing as we go out and continue our Christmas celebrations, whether it's at home, whether it's in your room, whether it's in your car. The Lord your God is with you, and he is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. So go out and sing over him with rejoicing. You are dismissed, church family. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you online.